a fact about salads. They suck. Salads Sa- suck. So it turns out, I knew this in my heart of hearts, but I've just denied it my entire life. But the truth is, I hate salad. And I bought this big old, you know, $10 salad. Mm-hmm. And then I went to another city wow, area. Wow, that's a real steal for Midtown. Yeah. <laughs> And I sat down and I took my first bite and I was like, this fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, I, I feel yeah. like people are like, oh no, salads are so great. You just have to like roast 16 different kinds mm-hmm. of vegetables and then add nuts and add citrus and wash some fruit and then like <laughs> marinate some tofu overnight. I'm like, okay, so what has gone from like an easy breezy, like throw some raw veggies together in a bowl has turned into like a three day prep if right. I want to make my own To mask. Home. The fact that you're eating eating a bowl of things that don't taste good. Right. Right. And that you have to put dressing on to even make them like right. like palatable. And the other thing that I hate is when you can choose your own salad I can't, bar. Thing. Those things are not made for, I don't know, maybe they're not made for introverts. They're not made for people like us. Hey, this is Amrita and Andrew. We're on a podcast journey to find our way through freelance life. If you're thinking about taking a leap off the beaten path in any part of your life, our totally inexpert advice is don't think twice. So she looks at me, though, and she's like, darling, a hand, please. And I'm like, not sure what to do. And then she lifts her butt at me and then like sort of presents herself. And her oh leg and her butt, and she's like, my leg? And wants me to grab her ass and her, like, thigh. Her mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, lift her into the car. Oh like, the, the rest of the... And so, and I'm having this moment where it's like, oh, she doesn't like people to touch her. And she's had a lot to drink and smoke. some things to smoke. Mm-hmm. And am I going to touch her? And then she's going to, like, <laughs> f- freak out. But mm-hmm. also, we're in, like, the middle of, like, we're in Times Square and, like, there's a long line of cars that are starting to beep because we're taking up the whole road. So. <laughs> anyway, all this goes in my head in like a split second. So I grab her butt and I grab her like a thigh and I start and I'm like, I'm just going to have to lift this person <laughs> into the car. So I start to like lift her. Um, and then she just, and then she just like hops out of my hands and like into the car. Like all spry all, all of a sudden. Yes. Like she didn't need my help at all. She was just fucking with me. <laughs> and then she winks at me and tells me to have a good night. And then I I tell her to have a good night. Wow. And... Okay. The saucy wink at the end, I think, and is really the beautiful like end. Cherry on top. Yeah. And then she drives back to the Orient, Mandarin Oriental and her suite. And... Wow. But, uh, wow. But we. Goddess. Yeah, <laughs> but all of this is to say that that salad did not stick with me through that whole thing okay <laughs> i was so fucking hungry because i ate a goddamn salad okay so she just asked me about my my recent uh, re-foray into the apps. Uh-huh. I, I have decided you recently, to do that. Recently. I guess put, I need an update on that too because. Oh God. Yeah, I'll tell you in a minute. Okay. Um, but uh, basically I do every time somebody asks me about how things are going or whatever, 
my I, I always ha- do this thing frequently where I'm like, well, you know, I'm just like really trying to be open to things and like, <laughs> yeah, have yeah. a good attitude and say yes. And, you know, because it, it you know, it demonstrates that I'm, I have a can-do attitude about, about yes. dating. So, so I'm in the middle of my like sort of, I guess, sort of stock thing because like, clearly I wasn't actually thinking about what I was saying because what happens next is I'm like, you know, I'm just really trying to say yes to things and be really open-minded and, you know, just like have a great attitude. And then this man literally as i'm saying this this man runs like up from across the street to us and he's like oh my god hey you guys you just look really cool and i just i just like really wanted to come over and talk to you and i literally put my <laughs> hand in his face without even pausing a beat i'm like i'm just really trying to be open-minded things and then he starts talking i put my hand in his face and i say no thanks and then he <laughs> Oh, no. It was like the most sitcom <laughs> moment of all time. I interrupted my speech about being open-minded and saying yes to things. I really want to welcome new things into my life. <laughs> Get out Dude. of my face. <laughs> <laughs> so um, clearly I was not even listening to my own bullshit. Oh, there. wow. That was universe being like. <laughs> it really, really was. Direct message. I mean, that was a DM from the universe. <laughs> It was that was God being like, oh, but really, bitch. But really, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, <laughs> no. You call my bluff. <laughs> so things aren't so. Um, well, I mean, to be fair though, I think that that was a man who was trying to sell us drugs. But uh, but you think you don't know? I don't. Was know. he cute? You don't even look. You didn't even look because I put my face. My, my well, my we're going right to talk about face. this in a few minutes. But your commuting face, which is by commuting face, I mean any face you make once you leave your apartment mm-hmm. and before you get somewhere with someone you know, okay. is like oh, needs to be addressed. But we'll get there I, I, in a few minutes. Okay, I'm scared. <laughs> okay, well, what, wait, what, what do you mean we'll get there in a few minutes? Oh, you want? We can get, get there now if you want to. Uh, if you are to meet something, I someone IRL in real life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're going to really need to alter this oh, face no. that you assume oh, no. when you walk around the city, when you commute. Okay. As your best friend, I have also <laughs> walked up to you and been like, what the fuck is going, like, why does she have such a stank face on, like, the the second before you recognize I'm walking up? Mm-hmm. When you commute around the city, your fa- you look like... You smell something bad. <laughs> and well, to be fair. You lo- well, that's true. <laughs> you look like you, like every person you see is just like not up to your standards. That is the face you have. To be fair. <laughs> I'm, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I think that that is probably, no, I know it's definitely true. Actually, you know what? I don't know if I told you this, but I it's definitely true because I, I guess I never had thought about it as someone who often checks myself out in every reflective surface Mm -hmm. this is surprising to me because i do often catch sight of myself and like who is that vixen (laughs) (laughs) like in like windows and stuff like that but but even even so i guess i had never clocked my own like like city face because i (laughs) i had my phone in my hand and it was like a really sunny day so i could see my own face in it and I just like caught a glimpse of my face before I turned the phone on. And it like it's hard to describe this in audio what it what it looked like. But it wasn't actually even like a resting bitch face situation. It wasn't, no, that's not it. It wasn't that my face looked bitchy. No. It's that I looked like like anguished. Yes. Like like anguished. Like I was in like some sort of like 
mortal existential like it's definitely not a bitch face like yeah worse (laughs) (laughs) no it was really bad and i was like oh my god is that what my my neutral face is just like i mean contorted in this like rictus of i mean in in uh, yeah (laughs) maybe Mm -hmm. oh my god you know what i you know what i should probably do is do like a new face (laughs) 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 bitch (laughs) is um do like commute meditations or something that like forcibly yeah have you relax your muscles or something so uh Unlike you, I make a point of avoiding any reflective surface. Mm-hmm. So I, because I don't really like to like look at myself. But then when I notice people looking at me, that means that I one assume my fly is open. Mm-hmm. So then I like touch my crotch and they look at me, which probably in <laughs> retrospect is like not you know not not the thing to do to check right when you think someone's looking at you. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> so and then I eat um, spinach or kale in the morning and my and my eggs and. That stuff gets in my teeth. I mean, I brush my teeth before I leave, but then I always have this fear that you're going to fear have. that it's it. so. Mm-hmm. Then I then I like fear that there's uh, so spinach you touch in my your teeth. Crotch and then you touch your mouth. So then I touch my crotch and then I rub my tongue over the top of my teeth. Oh my god, you're such a so- <laughs> holy shit! <laughs> so. You know, this is a case for looking in a reflective mirror mm-hmm. instead of waiting till someone looks at you and then assuming that, that is, everything about you is... is so good. I, you know, but the thing is, actually, maybe that should be my move. Is that, that somebody You touch your crotch and, and lick your lips? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got to be a better approach than what I've got going maybe. right now. Yeah, I... Uh, so this isn't, I guess it isn't my very first time, but I did go to a metal show. I've never been to one. Can't say that I have a burning, a, a burning desire. desire. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So I have some, some some nerdy things that I really appreciate about the metal community. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Um, which is that I think that metal is one of the musical genres that still to this day, in this day, I know where you're era. going, and I agree. It has a real world yes. community. It has a real world community because versus an online community. Yes, because I think there's something critical about the in person experience with metal music in a way that I mean, you could argue. So, do you feel like metal music is much like? I mean, there are some other genres that are mm-hmm. like live performance mm-hmm. centric like it being I there mean, I think obviously there's a like ton of record like i mean i'm not an expert so i'm not of trying course. to record on this but but my feeling is that metal is one of those still hyper localized um type of communities i mean you could definitely be listening to like nordic metal or whatever but mm-hmm. but that there it still fosters a very localized in-person experience of being at the show and having like the physical experience of being at the show yeah. and the community of people that you will find at that show and, and stuff like that. Like, I think that's something that is being increasingly lost in the digital era that I think is really cool about metal. So on that level, I really appreciate it. Is it something that like I seek out and I'm like a huge fan of like, no, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. But like I, but I actually really think it's like really awesome that things like that, where it kind of requires a sort of, I mean, there are all sorts of like sort of micro communities like that. Like contra dance is one of those. I things. was going to say contra dance is because one. Obviously, because it's a dance tradition, you have to have people there. But so that is, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna bring up dance music. Yeah, that it that it creates it's this like community shifted over, experience over the yeah, yes. 
So um, I would say a few different things about my experience. First of all, at first when I, I was like, oh, it's like just a bunch of like white guys with beards and black t-shirts. Yeah. And yes, that's true. That's There's a lot of those. But I have to say, I was very pleasantly surprised by how many non-white and non-male people there were there mm-hmm. um I, so I, that kind of surprised me and that was just my own stereotype so so a pretty interesting community and definitely like the physical like in a way like contra dance although yeah. not the physical experience of being there is really important like you have this area in the mid sort of the closer you are to the middle and to the front the more you're sort of in the like the zone where people are kind of violent and pushing each other around and thrashing and and sort of grappling with each other and stuff in this in this way so i was like felt like kind of like an anthropologist and (laughs) this is why i i i I don't want to sound condescending at all because like it makes me sound like a, a total snob if I say it that way. Yeah. But I did feel like I was sort of like this interloper on a community that I don't really know that much about and I don't really that's, participate Yeah, in. I mean, that's true. So I was hanging out like really far on the periphery because I was afraid. I was like actually kind of afraid. Of, Physically like, afraid? Yeah, like I didn't want to... Because people were so... It was almost this like trance-like effect. Right, not physically afraid that people were going to harm you intentionally. Oh, no, but no, 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 there no. Was, like, Of course a, not, yeah. But but because like people there's like, a physicality about yeah it's not no, dancing it's violent but it's yeah there's a violence to it and then unpredictability and complete chaos yeah so like and the more that people sort of feel like they're they're get all they get all like sort of in the moment and this is why it sort of almost is like yeah. trans I guess violence is unfair but an unpredictability yeah I mean it's not intentional violence but yeah. yes it is violent uh, absolutely like you're put you know there's a pushing and shoving and falling around oh, there was. And stumbling yeah. around running into each other and like that sort of thing and um what do you think that it's is so like, fascinating what is that yeah it's what like is you're, that you're, it's like when speaking you're so, to when you're so in the zone I, and again i don't mean to sound condescending i found it weirdly charming this idea that like you go to a show maybe you go by yourself and that you are like kind of breaking down the social code of like touching strangers mm-hmm. and sort of losing control in a way in a public space which you're not really allowed to do like to kind of like just have total freedom of your your you know, you're your thrashing body. your body, your limbs kind of flailing around and and just like f- the freedom of that feeling is something that you can't really get in the normal life. So mm-hmm. it's kind of transporting to be able to do that in a space, I guess. I don't know. So I really enjoyed that. Today, we corner a real life audio engineer and ask him our most rudimentary questions about what he does how he does it, and like, how sound works. We're speaking with our friend Jim Bertini, a musician and all-around audio whiz kid. Are you drunk right now? (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) I was when I woke up. Whoa! Whoa. That's the life. Yeah, that happens sometimes. It's a Wednesday, Jim. Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> Winning so hard. So you are from New Jersey, yes? Right? Okay. So I'm you're from. so you're basically like kind of a hardened New Yorker, like when we were talking about that. Earlier. Oh yeah, and my whole family are hardened New Yorkers. They all grew up in in Brooklyn, and then they all left, and I'm the first generation to come back. So with your accent, I would have guessed somewhere else. I feel like you have a little bit of an accent. Whoa! I'm curious where you would guess. It's 
I would have gone maybe like Southern Massachusetts hmm. or Connecticut. One interesting thing is that when I introduce myself to people, most of the time they think I'm saying gem or jam. They never, yeah. they, it's hard jam? for them to get Jim. Jim is such a common name and I have to overpronunciate <laughs> the I. And I don't understand why. And I wonder where did this accent come from? There's well, something see, going on. That's interesting because he has that problem for being from the South. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That Jim becomes Jem, hmm. like Jem and the holograms. Right. But then Jen, J-E-N, becomes Gin, like Gin and Tonic. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's, some, there's something going on. Anyway. What was your, what was the first concert you ever went to? And where? <laughs> Ooh, where? Well, the first concert I saw was Peter, Paul, and Mary. My parents took me. All right. I was very little. Yep. It's uh, a good one. And this is the follow-up question. What was the first album you ever purchased? Right. The first album I ever purchased, it was either Nirvana's Nevermind or Snoop Dogg's, uh, what was the big album that he had? Doggy style. Doggy style. <laughs> it was either Nevermind or Doggy style. I can't remember which one. So wait, so but but that was like okay, that wasn't that couldn't have been like when it came out though, right? Uh, I, I mean, I'm not Why trying to clock it? you on your age. Well, I'm it, just it, saying, was, it was I was in second grade. You you when you I, you when bought I got it in second grade. Well, my parents bought it for me. I, yeah, I did. but you had picked well, it out. <laughs> you picked that out. Like you were like, Mom, I want this one. Yeah. And they were they were like, Sure, let's do it. Yeah. That's amazing. I don't, I don't think they understood, well, especially Doggy Style. I don't think they really knew what was what was on there. They kind of left me alone as far as... Uh, no, this was that was the sweet spot because that was right when, before, or right around when they were trying to get um, CDs and records, like with the label that told you that it was explicit material. Yes. Right. But it was before parents really understood... What that meant. What that meant or like right. what to look for or like maybe even like give a damn about it. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's, really impre- that's yeah. like really impressive taste for... Um, a second grader and just in general because sometimes I mean like I really like this question because it leads to embarrassing answers sometimes hmm. or yeah um, this one's not embarrassing it's not Nirvana embarrassing at all no it's Snoop Dogg I, I will add that it was confiscated at some point you grew up in Bergen County your entire K through 12 K through 12 and then you and then and then you came to the city I went upstate to go to college okay and then I came to the city where upstate? Bard College. All um, right. Avondale on... Annandale Avondale on, on Hudson. That's right. Yeah. Annandale on Hudson. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, and you, did, you studied jazz? I studied music up there, yeah. And music performance? Music performance and classical studies, too. Okay. I, there's something I really liked about Greek theater. Oh, like, oh, theater. Mm-hmm. And the classics. Oh, I got the classics. You. Okay, wow. So and, and Greek Greek history and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, this is fascinating. So you had an instrument too. I was a drummer. You were a drummer. I still, I still am a drummer. You were a classical Greek drummer. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so you're still a drummer now. Um, you're a sound engineer now. I am. And did you get into that in college, or you, or kind of after the fact? It was shortly after college. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of learned on the job. So how how did you get into that though? Because I feel like that's a kind of, it's it's I don't know. It's a it's a skill set that you either have to get like from going to school for it mm-hmm. or like or studying with somebody or apprenticing kind of thing. Right. Uh, it started for me as a internship. There was a studio nearby where I went to school. It was called the Clubhouse, and I had 
recorded there as a musician a number of times, um, got to know the staff a little bit, and on a whim decided to start interning. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of picked up from observation. They started paying me at some point. It was it was <clears throat> barely anything, and I asked for more money, and then they stopped calling me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I know that story. Um, I had another I had another side job at the time. I was actually building drum kits for like a small drum maker in the in the Hudson That's Valley. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so it. How did that happen? How did um, that connection? Let's see. Uh, I had a drum teacher who swore by their drums. He really liked them. And I had some carpentry skills from high school. And okay. it, it just kind of worked out. From like theater they, class? No, not not from a th not from theater class. Oh, just like just building Adirondack chairs and high school wood What? <laughs> what? That's amazing. <laughs> um, I have like a secret a secret fantasy about being getting into woodworking mm. and also about instrument making too. Like I feel like that's gonna be my retired life. Is I'm gonna like become a luthier or something. But um, I I actually have no skills around that whatsoever. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, so you're in college. You're making drums, or you're you're helping build some drums. Yeah. Uh, you're working for you know minimum wage at a at a studio. Right. You uh, broach the subject of getting more money, and then they promptly promptly like cut you loose. Cut you loose, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> uh, That's just how some places work. Um, it was a fairly prestigious place too, so it's not like they needed yeah people to work there. People just wanted to be there. And it's that it's that it's very valuable if if you're a young person. Totally. And, and you get an well, so then you like then that. you have that like on your resume, and then I assume you can sort of get go from there. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you moved straight to the city. Uh, almost. I stayed up there for about a year mm -hmm. after college, but then I came down to the city, and picked up whatever odd jobs I could. Like there was a couple small studios that they they hired me by the hour and. Uh, first couple of years, I was actually doing real estate. Well, it's funny because in my current line of work, I end I end up doing that a lot. Mm. Like, tell me what you think is fair, especially for any of the studio work that I do, because I'm being paid by musicians. Yeah. So how does how does the work picture look for you now? Like, so you don't you don't have like a side like a day job hustle type of thing. Um, I mean, you're doing basically all audio work. Right. So what is it, what what is the picture of your like work life look like right now? Well, I have the, uh, there's the job that we have together, which is, which is, uh, a really good source of stability. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also allows me to pursue a lot of freelance work, which mostly consists of, uh, mixing concerts, um, recording bands in a studio. Uh, and I have a, I have a mixing studio at home. So a mixing studio is not a recording? Like, what's a mixing studio? It's basically a dedicated listening room. And I will do mixes of music instead of, like, actually recording a band. So it's recorded, it's recorded somewhere else. It's recorded and somewhere else. And then you come in there to, 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 to put, pull it all together. Right. Okay. But you don't record in that room? Not really. I can, and I do sometimes out of necessity. But yeah. I can't be recording drums in there well yeah because it's residential because it's so. residential nobody would appreciate it <laughs> i mean you could <laughs> i could physically it's possible 
Um, so that's just like an extra bedroom in your house that you you yourself converted over, right? Right. And like, so you just like were like, one day I'm just gonna I'm just gonna figure out like how did you how did you put that together? Like what did I had? Well, I had a, a roommate once upon a time mm-hmm. who lived in the bedroom that is now my mixing studio. Um, one day he expressed interest in moving to Los Angeles. And over the course of a year, I kept taking opportunities to tell him what a good idea that was. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually it happened. It just, it, it manifested. That's amazing. So, so now you're, you're a full-time, full-time audio engineer and plus, plus, plus. Correct. Kind of things. Yeah. So mixer and I still, all I, I still get to play and perform. You do? That yeah, was going to yeah. be my next question. Are you in a band? A couple. Okay. So you're playing, gigging around the city, mm-hmm. doing all those things. So how do you, as you know, as a freelancer, do you do you have a network? Do you feel like it's just all about building up your network over time so that you have like repeat clients and customers? Are there like cold calling that you need to do, or like sort of like marketing yourself? Is there any like how do you get new work? Fresh Generally, work, yeah. Mo- mostly word of mouth and personal referrals. Yeah, um, I've been meaning to make an effort to market myself and have a nice picture of my studio on a website or on a social media page or whatever. Um, I've been meaning to do this for years. <laughs> and honestly, every time I start to make steps to do it, I just kind of feel like a douche. You know, I hate we self-marketing. have this problem yeah. like a lot and uh, are trying to get over it because we've been told many times that like, this is what you need to do yeah. is like get the social media together, get right. the like um, all the like branding stuff together. And just like, even as I, we were talking about it earlier this week and I said, I actually said the phrase on brand about ourselves <laughs> and, and Andrew was like, Bleh. Oh. <laughs> like, he could not handle it. So definitely relate to that. Oh, um, brand is such a icky word. It's an icky word. And, and, it's, and especially the, the theater job where I work, it's, it's very corporate mm-hmm. and, 90% of the events they do there are for digital marketing. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I always think like when I'm working those conferences that it's just like 20 words that they put into like a hopper and then they just pull them out randomly like that bingo, to make the titles that bingo of the thing talks. That, like, yeah. Like, yeah. It's just like <laughs> programmatic marketing, vertical. It's like, what? I know. Alignment story. Every year there's a new flavor of buzzwords and catchphrases. And then and, a and seemingly they, endless supply of these conferences. Yeah. Well, so, Jim, if you have all this information at your fingertips, if you've sat through all these conferences, <laughs> I feel like I'm waiting to be incredibly impressed at your marketing campaign that you are currently building <laughs> you know a multi-platform fully immersive personal brand experience yeah that's horrible. that's that's what, I need, that's what I need to do <laughs> so but like so you've done uh, I mean you do a lot of like mixing for recorded stuff but um primarily that or primarily live events I'd say it's Kind of an equal combination of both. Yeah. Um, live events, they're definitely better for making a living. So I do as much of those as I can uh, so that I don't necessarily have to rely on the cool music stuff to make a living. Because then I could be more flexible with, with what I charge people. When you're it, doing it, that thing that's, pay me what you think is fair. Exactly. Yeah. 
So there aren't like industry rates that you can go buy. There, there's, there's, no, not, not really. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's much of an industry standard because the industry has completely fallen apart over the last twenty years. Yeah. So do you feel that 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 I mean, this is like one of my favorite topics, so we won't we won't do too deep of a dive, <laughs> but just about the industry falling apart. But like, do you feel like that has um, kind of changed the landscape for like, you know, for what people like you do or just, you know, generally like the making of music because things have changed so much about how how people make music, how people get money off of it or, or largely don't. Um, like, do you feel like that right now is a tougher time to do what you do or is it or is there actually more opportunity because more if there's like a more egalitarian feeling like if anybody mm. can make their own album, anybody can record their stuff because, you know, we have access to right. that sort of technology. And yeah, I, I would I would say it's the latter because uh, budgets to make music projects are a lot less than what they used to be. But so but the, the also the technology is a lot cheaper. Mm-hmm. Um, you could take this laptop and these mics and you can make an album with it yep so that's that's really interesting that's a very that's good that's an optimistic take because mm-hmm. i always feel very like um, doom and gloom doom about and the glo- whole... I mean, yeah i mean not that like i think that the major label system is like awesome or anything mm-hmm. like that like i don't think that's a good system either but i i feel like we were advertised that like the internet era was going to be this like liberation of music and that like you know that there's gonna be so much opportunity for everybody and then, mm-hmm. but really it's just turned into this thing where uh you know the the richest artists are are like you know uber wealthy and then right. everybody else can't make it make a dime off of it right so and that's like kind of my like my party line about it but <laughs> but so it's nice to hear that there's like a, sort of on the more granular level that there is more going on and there is like a lot you know there's more sure. opportunity and stuff happening so. sure but again there's also the quantity versus quality side of it sure you feel like there's a, so much more because it's so it's the access is so much easier absolutely it's so much more crap there's definitely a lot more crap there's a lot more good stuff too mm. yeah it goes both ways yeah but I, I would say the market is definitely saturated musically musically well who do you need so who do you need behind the board if i'm a band who do I need to hire behind the board? Because it always seems when I watch like hip hop Atlanta, mm-hmm. there's like a lot of you know, <laughs> like Bow Wow's in the studio, but then like also the DeBrats in the studio right. and like three other people in the studio. So who needs to be in the studio? Uh, to have a recording session, you really just need an artist and an engineer. Sometimes the artist can do both. Uh, you'll see a lot of instances where... Um, like if, 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 if it's a rapper, they'll just be in the control room with a microphone and they could work the board themselves. Prince was very famous for doing that. He, Prince was a really great engineer. and well, he, he was a great everything. He, so he, I mean, he did all the things. Yeah, he did all the things. Um, and he would make the engineers leave and he would blast his music really loud and he would sing over it. And no do idea. and do all the mixing as he went along. Just right there at the board, like not even in the, not even in the booth, not right even in the, the board. Booth. That's incredible. <laughs> you know, everything's digitally recorded, but mm-hmm. then there are some people who still use. The, aren't there some people who still go old school and do it, put it yes. on tape? Yeah, yes. yeah. A lot of people still swear by it. What are your opinions? I love tape. I think it's. I think it's. Uh, 
okay, first of all, there are purists out there that say I will only use tape because nothing sounds better than tape. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, but... Uh, what does that mean, sound better? Um, let's see. Well, a lot... I'd say most of the music that we listen to, especially if you listen to older music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, etc., um, that was all recorded on tape, right? And you associate the feeling of listening to that music with that medium. Um, and it does have a different flavor. Like, I mean, now we record digitally. It, it all goes directly onto a computer. Um, and people will make the... I've heard, I've heard the analogy that um, recording on tape is like painting on canvas. And recording digitally is like painting on glass. Um, so me, you hear a difference? Definitely. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely an audible difference. Um, recording on tape will... Let's see, I'm going to try to put this in layman's terms. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's all this like tech stuff in your head, this like technical things in your head. Well, but I like of... that analogy, actually, the canvas versus glass kind of thing. I mean, that, that makes some sense to me. Right. Well, it, it's like when you, when you record on tape, things will just sound a little more cohesive more quickly. Um, you don't necessarily need to take as much time mixing because the tape will put a certain character on the way everything sounds. Whereas digital, it's like full fidelity and it can be a little cold. So it's like it's like when you watch um, something in ultra HD on TV, like, right. like a soap opera, and mm -hmm. you're like, holy shit, I wish they would turn that down. Like, I don't want to <laughs> see all of those. <laughs> all the pores. Like, now I see all the things, and now it's, like, not as good as it was when there was, like, a little bit of a cheap veneer. Yeah, yeah. Right. Is it that sort of, sort of thing? I mean... No, sometimes you just want there to be a different color, or a little more character. You want it to be a little rougher around the edges. Right. Um, I want to uh, pivot a little bit, only slightly, but um, because you asked a question, you were talking about um, this, the studio, which is very interesting. But also, I am um, someone who loves speakers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I always have, and when I was little, I had a little speaker and microphone obsession. Um, but in my later, once I actually have money to do it, I'm going to invest in like some good, well, two, once I have an apartment that I want to stay in or a house, and then I want to invest in some good speakers, right? So what, how should I go about it? Because when I type in like good speakers on the internet, it's mm. just, there's no, no one agrees on anything. Yeah. And well, it is. Yeah. It's totally, it's subjective. No one has sense, any like. But method it just seems like it's just a madhouse of like and yeah. the price points range from like hundreds of dollars to like uh -huh. tens of thousands of dollars so what am i what am i to do well What's i man to do yeah 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 <laughs> um i mean audio forums are probably the last place that you want to turn to there are so many trolls right and any anytime somebody does a post there's always these vultures waiting in the wings ready to just attack and rant on some hyperbole yeah it's it's really bad um but for you i would say go to a store and try stuff out find something that you like 
Okay, so I go to an audio store. I find right. one, and I go to an audio store, and I, and I have my loose budget. Um, what do I play? Do you have songs that you play to test out a speaker system? Like, what do I play to check out a speaker system? So I just, the reason I just put, turned around and pulled this off the shelf is because this is, so when my dad, so my dad is a huge, this is like, sorry, we're just like trying to ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> no, go for it. Sidebar. <laughs> when my dad bought um, his first set of speakers in, in this country, he went to, he brought this album, and I'm not sure exactly why, so this mm. is, Joan Baez, The Contemporary Ballad Book. It's one of my my all-time favorites. Um, But doesn't really have, like, a ton of dynamic range, so to speak. So Hmm. I don't know why this was his choice, but um, maybe you can can improve on on Dad's choice here. Uh, Typically, the first thing I put on is Doing It Right by Daft Punk. Okay. Because the low end on that track, the, the, the way it was mixed, it's like so clear and the it has these extended bass lines that like fall on uh within like a very controlled range of low end frequencies so hearing how a speaker responds to those bass notes it's a very good way to gauge what's happening in the bottom end frequency wise let me see if i can remember some um loving ja by Sugar Minot. That's on my list. I don't even I know, don't know that one. Sugar Minot, he, he's a he's a reggae okay. artist. Okay. Um very famous Jamaican singer. He put out so many albums. Uh Loving Ja is a cover of Loving You by was it Loverboy? Who did Loving You? Loving You is more than just a dream come yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> Who did that one? I have no idea. Yeah. But I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Damn it. Uh, yeah, but but his version is is loving Ja, and why do you why is that a good pick for you? Uh, be because I love it. I, okay, I listen to it all the time and right. So you know it. Yeah, yeah. That's not really a critical. That that's not like something. Oh, it doesn't have an element that that you're specifically listening for. Right. It's like a it's like a song that you know so well that that's right. It's a great choice because you've heard it. You've probably heard it out of every speaker you've ever. Or, yeah, you know, like, yeah, and and if it, if it's if it sounds messed up, then I'm gonna know that there's a problem somewhere. So right. then I can turn back to the more um, clinical friendly material to try and pinpoint it. As a recommendation, I would just say play what you like, you know, because if if you're if you're buying speakers, you're not necessarily you don't necessarily want accuracy. You want something that's gonna be fun to listen to. Um, Okay, that's an interesting mm-hmm. thought. Like, I, I, I pick certain things to test for accuracy just because I'm a technician and accuracy is important for what I do. Um, but for somebody like you, you just want something to listen to music at home that sounds really good. Yeah, but I listen to a wide variety of things. So if I'm going to listen to classical music, right? Um, which, in my experience, it's very important to have good, good speakers for classical music. Absolutely. Um, more so than a lot of other genres right but then i also listen to like a lot you know it's like i'm going to listen to dance music and then i'm going to listen to like um, you know everything that's like sort of in between there yeah so i mean what yeah i just sort of bring a couple of of sort of representative things sure i just feel like it's it all is based on my uh, my own ear and opinion Mm -hmm. uh and that And, 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 and that's the most important thing 
I, I just feel like I want someone to come out of the, the weeds and just be like, no, it, you don't rely Actually, on your opinion. Right, right. <laughs> <This is> correct. <laughs> but so, but you need to you need to choose speakers because of accuracy. Right. So what uh, what does that mean? Uh, it means that the speaker represents the full audible spectrum mm-hmm. and doesn't color anything, doesn't add any distortion. So how would you know? Uh, let's see. I would base it off of like my list of songs that I use to test things so you know those those songs and you know sort of how they sound and like right in, in different speakers so right that's sort of a, that can and especially comparatively between two speakers you know oh, this is like i don't know what the words you'd use muddy or here or like the high end is mm-hmm. like whatever here mm-hmm. but if you've owned but how would you ever know that it's like exact or real it's always going to come out of some speaker right it's always going to come out of some speaker and it's always going to be in a different room and the room you're in that it also plays a very big role in how things sound mm. some would argue more so than the speaker itself because a, a good speaker in a poorly tuned room isn't going to sound so good how do i tune a room at home can i tune a room at home you can yeah, you That's can. what I need to know, Jim. I'm not talking. I just don't want to like buy two speakers. I want to buy You're speakers. You're talking to a meticulous. I want to have <laughs> yeah. like, you know, what do I do with my room to make it sound better? Uh, the thing, main thing you'd want to do is eliminate reflection points. So, for example, us talking in this room, right? You can hear that there's a ambience mm-hmm. around yeah. our heads. It's because of all the flat surfaces surrounding us, and it works it works a lot like light you know sound comes out of your mouth it's going to bounce off of the walls and come back into your ears right so you're not just hearing the direct sound of my voice you're also hearing reflections from all around the room and that'll actually distort what you hear so i should just live in like a one a of tent. those like foam things like yeah a tent I, I can totally just see <laughs> you taking this advice and having like this Bedouin like vibe and your like L soft surfaces everywhere. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm gonna invite you over when I design when I buy my speakers and, and live in my tent. Yeah. Jim, this is uh beyond fascinating, this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and thank you for coming out here on a beautiful day, um, after being hungover. Yeah. Uh, we're still rousing, drunk, you know. Rousing we're, yourself. we're doing what we can to, to, to you know, keep the buzz on. Yeah, to come <laughs> chit chat with us, I really do appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Um, and uh, I will be the first person to let you know once I purchased all my speakers oh, and yeah. I have optimized my room. Oh like, yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. I'll help you put it together. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, that's really our goal here today. We <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Thank right. you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.